Hey everybody, I just wanted to throw out a quick disclaimer on this episode. We recorded this episode many months ago and just have been having it uh, saved for a rainy day. That is why there's no mention of our Patreon or any of the things like that that we have done since it was recorded. Thought about trying to stitch that stuff in after the fact, but decided we'll just leave this one as is. So with that out of the way, we hope you enjoy this episode. And whenever it does happen to launch... Do want to give a huge shout out to whoever happens to be supporting us on Patreon at that time. Thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate it. to Level Playing Field, a podcast where a group of longtime friends get together and talk about one of their favorite hobbies, video games. On today's episode, we're talking about control. My name is Andrew Kimball, and I'm your host. Joining me today, we have Joe. Hi. (laughs) And not from the game and also not Faden, Dylan. Hi. I'm not the Dylan Faden from the game. We definitely needed to clear that up before starting this episode. Well, you know, just in case people thought I was like just a huge fan of that character from the game and, you know. Changed your name? I guess. I've been lying about my name the entire time. Maybe they thought it, you know. (laughs) Who knows? I don't know what our listeners think. It's true. They're shouting at the the radio right now or at their podcast at the radio right now okay grandpa i listen to it through my radio (laughs) they're shouting at the radio you know uh if you are shouting at your radio right now that means that we have your full attention which is a good time to say go check us out on social media and youtube and twitch and all that follow us like us uh comment on our stuff we'll comment back we'd love to kind of get to know you guys out there so along with that if your uh, podcast service that you listen through allows you to leave a rating or a review that would also be super helpful helps us in discoverability and getting just growing our audience and growing our community which is what we really want to do so with that out of the way out of the three of us Dylan is probably the biggest fan of this game. Yeah. I love this game. So I'm going to kind of turn things over to him as far as guiding this conversation and taking us through our, our, our conversation on this game. Before we get started, I will just do the, you know, obligatory spoiler warning. This is your, Mm -hmm. this is your spoiler warning. We are planning on spoiling this game. Yeah. It's a spoiler cast. We're going to, Go wherever the conversation leads us. And and this is, uh, normally I know you hear spoiler warning and you're like, I don't care. It's not a big deal. With this game, I do feel like it's so much better to go through it with no spoilers than it is for a lot of other games. So, be warned. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think it's, I don't think it would necessarily live up to kind of how joe talks about subnautica going Mm -hmm. through that completely blind but i do think that it it is one of those games where the mystery is part of what makes it so fun yeah i mean it is a story-based game like 
there's differing opinions on on if having the story spoiled for you like with movies or games enhances your enjoyment or lessens it but yeah you know if you are one of those who knows that it lessens your enjoyment then this is definitely one to go in more blind on that, yeah. i mean yeah that's a that's kind of a, an interesting side topic maybe on one of our topic episodes we could kind of dive into that like spoiler culture and opinions but i feel like there are some games that are similar to movies where it's like you're just playing through a story but i feel like control kind of borders not nowhere near as hardcore but kind of borders on that from soft formula where you're kind of discovering the story as you go and piecing it all together and in those kind of games i feel like that part of the game that discovering everything is a lot more enjoyable if it's not spoiled i'm trying to find the little blurb to read i did not have that up what like about the game yeah I know I can off the top of my head say it's Remedy Studios and yeah. they make all sorts of weird games like Alan Wake, uh, Quantum Break. <laughs> they did the original Max Payne games, didn't they? I one and two, believe so. I yeah. could be wrong on that. All right, here's I am getting this off of the. Uh, Epic Game Store. So go ahead and leave your comments about how much you hate Epic Game Store um, on this podcast or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, Control. After a secretive agency in New York is invaded by an otherworldly threat, you become the new director struggling to regain control. From developer Remedy Entertainment, this supernatural third-person action-adventure will challenge you to master the combination of supernatural abilities, modifiable loadouts, and reactive environments while fighting through a deep and unpredictable world. Control is Jesse Faden's story and her personal search for answers as she grows into the role of the director. The world of Control has its own story, as do the allies Jesse meets along the way. Jesse works with other bureau agents and discovers strange experiments and secrets. And even that, I feel like, doesn't really fully go into, like, Jesse is the new director struggling to regain control. Like, mm -hmm. that, that's still pretty vague. Yeah. Yeah. So, because essentially the game starts, and I want to, like, go beat by beat through the entire game, because that's a lot. Right. But essentially the game starts with jesse faden your like your character walking into um this sort of government building in the middle of new york city and not really like she walks in no one's around and except for like the janitor and he tells her hey like go to this office and she walks in and finds the which you find out is the old director of the federal bureau of control dead on the ground she picks up the gun and that makes her the new director of the Federal Bureau of Control. So, like, not only are you the player trying to figure out what is going on, but you're kind of experiencing that right along with Jesse because she also mm -hmm. has no idea what's going on. Because as soon as you become director, you find out, like, oh, the hiss, which is like this alien entity, has taken over and t is taking over people's bodies and having them attack you sort of thing and so that's kind of the setup for the entire game is like you're trying to take back control as they said 
um, of the Federal Bureau of Control, like get the hiss out of there um, and figure out where they came from and how to keep them from getting in. And she's there because weird stuff happened to her as a kid, her and her brother, and she's kind of tracked them down and she's, it's because she's looking for her brother, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, not just weird stuff, but a weird event. Mm-hmm. Right. That's kind of like the, for me, the the particularly like engaging part of this was when you're running around the facility and looking at their, you know, memos and notes and files left on computers. And they're talking about how they like run around the world um, or, or focused more on like areas close to the U.S. I think the most international they go is South America. Um, mm-hmm. But the, how yeah, they investigate these like weird circumstances and basically like come in and cover it up and um you know take samples back to their lab to figure out what's going on and all that and kind of like men in black but more serious yeah men in black but like supernatural spirits instead of aliens Aliens. yeah and no real comedic value because yeah it is like it's a weird like it's very sort of like someone sat down and was like what if you know aliens kind of kind of like an x-files sort of thing where somebody sat down and was like okay if this stuff was real clearly you know the government would be involved in trying to protect people from it and investigate it and that sort of a thing and so it's like what would that look like what would what would how would that work um and it's kind of like well it becomes this kind of office and yeah this it's like, like mundane very, bureaucracy but about weird supernatural stuff (laughs) yeah because and and like joe was saying i think that was probably one of the most engaging things for me too something that i just really loved was kind of that juxtaposition of like here's like this thing that's like oh you know this this item lets you levitate things or whatever and it's like and it's not being talked to like and it's like just some random person is sitting there talking about like mundane research like oh yeah i like levitated my coffee cup and like talking about it like it's no big deal and the item is like a copier yeah the item that makes you levitate is like a copy machine or something (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that's and i guess that leads into a good sort of so like to me the game kind of felt i don't want to say like legend of zelda slash metroidvania type of like style but to a certain extent it did in in at least in the way that you kind of go through the game because you start out it's a lot of backtracking yeah going new places once you get new abilities so in that sense it is very like metroid yeah and so like you'll kind of come in you'll find out about something like an altered item which is like what like the weird items that they that do different things and you'll have to figure out how to like take control of it. Cause the hiss is like the bad guys of the game have infected not only people, but also all these items. And so, um, once Jesse can, I forget what they call it, whether they say it's taking control of the item or like calming it down or binding or they, they have some sort of term for it, but once she takes it back, then she gets whatever the power is. And so there's the power to levitate and fly there's the power to dash dash force push and pull 
Yeah, like throw stuff, make a shield. Mm-hmm. And some of those, I can't remember which one specifically, some of those are like missable. Mm-hmm. If you just stay on the golden path, you can miss certain abilities. Yeah, because the only ones that are, I think, required to progress the game are like the one that levitates you and the one that pushes and pulls. Picks it things might up the, and throws it. It might be the dash that you can miss, which is like super helpful in combat. Yeah. Which you could just completely miss it and never have that. <laughs> yeah. Because that, and that's that's where a lot of the customization kind of comes into the game. Is picking up like these different powers and how you decide to use them and invest your skill points in those, like which ones you focus on, which ones you don't. Um, and then also the gun that Jesse picks up is another altered item um, or an item of power, object of power or something like that. That sounds right. And so it starts off as just a pistol, but you can get upgrades that allow it to turn into a shotgun type of thing, a s- sniper rifle, sniper. a um, like assault. Well, I, I want to say assault rifle, but it, I guess no. It was like more of SMG. a SMG, yeah. Um, and the way then it worked. there's like a grenade launcher as well. I th- Some of this might be DLC. DLC yeah, too. in the base game, it was just those four. I think. Okay if I remember correctly. And I mostly used the shotgun and the sniper. Occasionally, the like I would switch the sniper out for the pistol. I don't think I ever really used... Like I'm having trouble remembering how the SMG one played. It didn't play super well. I remember, yeah, I, I think, I settling it. into the, the shotgun and then the charged shot mm-hmm. like pretty early on and then just never really switching away. And it had more to do with the boss like the the tougher enemy types because i think they were immune to your psych like your psychic powers yeah you, you had to do a certain amount of damage to them i think or yeah. a lot of times they and had so, like a zelda type you know eyeball that if you shot that it did more damage to the yeah and they really uh good for those you know because they were typically were very mobile and you had to be actively dodging it was usually easier to like just pick something that was like one shot at a time and then you needed to dodge and then one shot and dodge because i played i think i'd used like the starting pistol and Mm -hmm. um i think i had like the smg on there um but i rarely ever switched away from just like the starting pistol and a lot of what i did was i invested very heavily in like the the throw force power thing and so that was a lot of what i like a lot of me wasn't shooting. The throwing was, throwing. was the bulk of my damage um, to anything that like could hit. Yeah, because there was there were some enemies that would just automatically dodge, but yeah, like the um, flying guys. I found that it that away. yeah that the throwing outscaled your guns most of the time. And and that's something that I really appreciate about the game was like it didn't feel like there was a at least to me, it didn't feel like there was a, this is the best build sort of thing. It felt like kind of a, you, all of them are viable kind of go in and just how, what do you prefer? You know, cause all of them work. Yeah. That's, I'd say that's accurate and kind of ties into a point that I wanted to make, which was I either had the wrong build or there were just some points in this game that checked you hard like i felt like there were a few parts where the difficulty just escalated like there's one room i can think of in particular 
it was like really big and I think circular and you're like working your way up the outside, going up different levels, fighting waves of enemies till you get to the top. And if you fail, if you die, you start back at the bottom. So checkpointing kind of sucked. And then I died like right at that last top one, but I hadn't gotten quite far. That, That was super frustrating. And then there was a boss that I think was optional, but... It was like this really big entity and the floor would start to fall apart underneath you, but the boss was kind of towering above you. So you're looking up at the boss trying to fight it and then you'd fall through the floor. Yeah. So just a few points like that where the difficulty spiked or there was like a right way to to approach those and I wasn't doing it. So. Yeah, because uh, those two points, I also had a bunch of difficulty on. Yeah. Because I think one of those points is when you get into like where they hold all the altered items, right? Yeah, that sounds right. But it's been a while since yeah. I've I think it, the game. Yeah, like I think one of those points is where you finally figure out where your brother is. And so you're going to try to get him. And so it, like you said, it's kind of there are several different levels that you have to get through and there's not a checkpoint in between any of them. And then the other one is when you fight, what, former, I think, the the entity that used to be on the board but is no longer on the board a lot of this will make like these terms that i'm using i guess would make (laughs) sense if i don't know uh we'll probably jump into a a more story-ish sort of highlight is that a dlc thing i don't remember that in the main game um it what he former comes back in one of the dlcs um and is a lot more involved but there was like a point or two in the main game that was optional that you could find him Uh, yeah yeah i found him and and it was it was a struggle i think i ended up beating him but then at some point either in a guide or something or just because the game doesn't really acknowledge it it was like oh i didn't have to do that but i also was at that point and this was before i got really big into bloodborne i think but i was still kind of in that mindset of all right i'm here I've gotten close. I'm not leaving until I kill this thing. Yeah. At this point, it's just like my pride keeping me here. I guess I have to kill it. And so I just kept trying and trying. Finally got it. But it was one of those kind of rage inducing fights where it just didn't quite feel fair or structured quite as well as it could have been. I want to go back before we do move into like story stuff. I want to, I want to talk about like the style of this game a little bit because I thought it was really cool how you like when you go into a new area and everything's all creepy and red and like out of whack, like a Picasso painting or something. And then you clear it and you do whatever their term was (laughs) to like basically get your fast travel point. And uh, that whole effect of just it going white and going back to normal and all that was really cool. Anytime you walked into a new area, like the real big, lettering yeah that would pop up on the screen like boom yeah that was yeah that was really cool like just the whole style and presentation they didn't deviate from it at all and they pretty much nailed it everything they were going for with it i think yeah like it if nothing else i would say like if you can check this game out like get it like if you're not sure you're gonna like it it's worth checking out for the style alone because i don't know that i've ever played another game that like style wise was so on point so because like tom was saying everything is just very much like creepy and red and like 
just not right. And then you change it and it's very much like just this very sterile, brutal, like office space. Um, Joe, what did you think of the style? Same as you guys said, it's a very like distinct (laughs) style. I did. I liked that um, it was very clear what parts of the facility were like safe and not safe. You did have the occasional like incursion into the safe zones, but there was that like, you know, okay, I ran into this area. Okay. I like cleansed the region and now I'm, I can go just like poke around and then relax for a second. Yeah. That was what I was going to say next actually was the mood, I guess, or the, like everything felt tense. Like I wasn't actively like scared playing this game. Like I wouldn't say it's like a horror game or anything, but it was like unsettling. And I could imagine playing with headphones would make it worse because the hiss are like, constantly whispering and talking and like in the background kind of like your voices in your head in hellblade um and it's just unsettling and like yeah. joe said even when you're in your areas occasionally there they'd be like a little attack usually nothing you couldn't handle at that point but but yeah moving into exploring new areas you just you kind of I at least i was kind of always peeking around the corner you know maybe not like literally, but hypothetically peeking around the corner, like what, all right, what am I getting into in here? I can hear something. It's a little, it's dark down there a little bit, a little bit spooky, but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't call it a scary game. It was just, it had like an unsettling vibe to it. Yeah. Cause even like once you cleansed it, it felt so like, even just like the empty office space felt very yeah. unsettling too. It's kind of like if you go to a church on a day that's not Sunday especially yeah. like a big church and you're like you're like walking down these dark halls with all these you know classrooms or like a school or I, I would imagine a hospital would probably be the worst you know version of that feeling but yeah it's like when when the daily activity isn't happening and everything's just kind of shut down there's it's always just a little eerie that was kind of what this game was <laughs> and yeah like and and that I think before we move on from gameplay too is something that i really enjoyed about it was like you were saying it doesn't like you go through and you clear out stuff and then can kind of freely explore and occasionally like you have some enemies that pop back up but for the most part it's like they kind of just leave you alone and there's surprise like to me I, i guess i was a little surprised at how like there's still a lot of combat in this game don't get me wrong but it's like looking back on it it felt very interspersed with like long periods of just like free exploration too you know where Mm -hmm. it's just like you're kind of walking through this creepy place that's been invaded and you're trying to figure out like what's going on and learn more about the world and and all of that stuff and a lot of it a lot of the tension i feel like comes because they don't overuse combat you know it's not like you're fighting through the entire thing it's like you walk into the mail room, you have maybe like a little bit of combat and then it's a lot of nothing. And then you have a little bit of combat and then it's nothing. And then there's the boss fight. And so like going through like just kind of the initial thing, there's really only like, like the initial little area that you go through. Um, there's really only like maybe three points of combat before you get like to the boss of that area. And maybe like a little skirmish here or there, but nothing that's like, 
wave after wave of enemy. You know, it's not right. a Call of Duty game where it's just a lot of nothing but combat. Or like a God of War, one of those kind of games that are like combat is one of the primary yeah. reasons you're playing that game. And so they just keep throwing it at you. Those games where you walk into a room and the door is closed and you don't get to leave until you've yeah. cleared like seven waves of enemies. So is there anything else we wanted to cover about like the gameplay stuff? I mean, we have to talk about it at some point. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. Is the Ashtray Maze story or gameplay? A little bit of both. Maybe that can be our segue. Okay, because we, I mean, we have to talk about the Ashtray Maze. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's more, more a story. Like, more a story thing. The, the gameplay, the first time you get there, the gameplay loop is, is kind of like neat. Um, but it, it really is more of like a story beat than it is a, like anything. It's like, ooh, look at this, like new gameplay. Yeah. But it was probably the, like, the most unique twist on what you were doing like navigating the maze while that like heavy metal song was playing and that was like the wave of enemy section it it was still it didn't feel like a different game all of a sudden but it definitely probably was it felt like a fresh thing at at that point in the in the game when you finally unlocked it and you're going through it yeah like it definitely gave you very much like oh like this is a big story point vibe right felt propelled to go through it like kind of as fast as you could which which led me to kind of my downfall because i died probably (laughs) two or three times in that ashtray maze and at that point it wasn't quite as fun anymore (laughs) at that point after dying a couple times i was like all right i'm kind of getting frustrated with it the the cool has worn off and now i'm just getting annoyed but a couple like I'll take responsibility for 50% of my deaths. The other half were just like, you know, tough enemies or whatever. But there were probably some points where I was just trying to like, I was hyped, you know, the music, everything. I was like, let's go. And then, oh, I went too fast. And yeah, I yeah, the combat killed. definitely got very particular in the few points that felt like on what you had to do and how you had to play. Um, yeah. Because it was easy to, to get caught out. Yeah. Well, it, I want to say... Like, it's not a great comparison, but it felt very much like a sort of Arkham series or Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor sort of series where, like, when you first start off in the Arkham games, you're just beating up regular thugs who have no special powers, no special abilities, that sort of thing. Um, And then slowly as you get more and more abilities as Batman, they slowly add in... um, okay, this guy, you have to disarm him with this move before you can like safely do damage. This guy, you have to hit with a battering from a distance before. And so by the time you get to the maze in control, they've added in a bunch of different types of enemies, which slowly become like a, these ones fly around and you have to try to shoot them enough so that they're not like able to dodge you when you throw things and this one is those enemies sucked yeah those flying enemies that's going to be my point to what you're saying because at first your comparison i thought was nonsense but then i saw where you were going with it and was like okay i get that but i think one thing that those more combat focused games for one they're more combat focused that's like they really try to refine that experience and two you're on the ground for the most part as, you know, Talion or Batman, and you're just kind of juggling those enemies. Anytime you can leave the ground or the enemies can leave the ground, 
I feel like that throws in a layer of just frustration generally. Very few games do I go, oh, like an aerial or a flying enemy. I love this. It's <laughs> usually it's frustrating. And I think God of War, which I'm currently replaying the most recent one, does a decent job with it. One, because it's fun to throw your axe. And two, because they did this thing where the majority of the enemies that can fly are just like kind of weak peons that can kind of buff or heal the enemies on the ground. So it's like, oh, I should take them out first. But it takes like two hits and they they can't really dodge you. And it's just like a prioritization thing. Whereas in control, I felt like those enemies could really hurt you and it did kind of take some some time to beat them down sometimes. And it was cool having kind of like an aerial dogfight sometimes. Like I see what they were going for because you can fly too. Yeah, But a lot of times it just became frustrating trying to deal with all the different variations they're throwing at you, especially the ones in the air. And and you don't, like, you start encountering those guys, too, before you really have the ability to fly all that much, I think. Because the first boss battle, I think, you have to fight one of those flying guys. Um, and you, you can't fly yet at that point in the game. Um, and so that makes it, like... Once you get the ability to fly, it makes it a little bit easier. But yeah, like those enemies are very much like you had to wait until they tried to hit you on the ground or you just had to bombard them as much as you could until they got stunned. And neither was a great option. And this is a minor complaint, like just something to kind of mention. But this is probably the one area where the style that they did use in this game maybe hurt it was because everything was like black and gray. Yeah. And so sometimes it was hard to track enemies or to find like, okay, uh, there's still a guy left alive in here somewhere. I got to find him, that kind of thing. And when everything kind of looks the same or is the same color and they, they did use red a lot to kind of try to highlight that. But occasionally, you know, that would, that would, it'd be kind of, everything kind of blend in with each other. But like I said, that was a minor complaint, but just another thing that kind of made some of those big fights a little more difficult. Yeah. And it definitely made it more difficult if you wanted to use your guns. Oh yeah. Because like the, the throwing stuff auto locked, I believe. Whereas the guns, like you had to actually aim them. And so it clearly wanted like, there were points where it really felt like it's like, Nope, you, we want you to use like the throwing stuff because if you're trying to shoot your way out of this, it's going to be tough. Mm hmm. But yeah, like gameplay wise overall, to I guess we'll wrap this up gameplay. Um, so to me, gameplay wise, it felt like his emphasis was on exploration first and, and mobility and mobility and then like combat second. Where did you guys kind of land on that? Yeah, combat felt very secondary. Like not that they didn't put effort into it, you know, like you had the various augments and they had the contracts you could do to like go get more materials to make more augments but i ended up like not ever interacting terribly deeply with it it just was like okay um i want low rate of fire high damage guns and i want to just buff my throw like as much as i can yeah and then like it's like all right that 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 was as far as i went i never really felt particularly worth it to try to like grind a bunch of the craftable stuff and you know get different powers augmented yeah and and i don't want to say that and be like and the combat was bad because like 
I, I thought that it was okay, but it's definitely it, not what I thought you it was should. fun. Yeah. I, like I was I, ready, like ready for the combat to be over with by the time I got to the end of the game. Cause some of those fights are just really got to be slogs. Um, because it's that whole, like you're trying to just deal with the one like tough guy and then dodge a bunch of little guys. And I remember towards the end, that was just like, I just want to see what's going to happen. And then it's like, you know, three rooms of bad guys that you got to clear. And you're just like, I would prefer to not do at this point. I've always been a big fan of like hack and slash kind of action games. And so other than some of those spikes, I I enjoyed the combat. And I, yeah. I think that gameplay was my favorite part of this game in the like the mobility, the exploration, the weird world, like all the tools they give you to just kind of play around with, I thought was really fun. And the story was kind of secondary to me. I enjoyed it and I wanted to see what happened, but especially after beating it, I kind of felt like it fell flat. And so for me, when I look back on this game, I look back on, they let me fly. They let me zip around. The gun was really weird and unique. The force powers were, were fun and maybe even better than fallen order. Yeah. But I do think that, uh, that, yeah, I agree with Joe that towards the end and in some of those kind of, unbalanced sections i'll call them yeah. to, to it put was a it little frustrating more maybe a little more elegantly it doesn't change much as you get right. further into the game you unlock the more. powers fairly like said by the midpoint of the game you've got all your powers and from then on out the only change is you are just buffing what you have with flat numbers um, yeah. yeah whereas just to like not to bring up Dark Souls for the 20th time on this podcast, but like to bring <laughs> up Dark Souls 2 specifically, like when I played through Dark Souls 2, it was maybe halfway, two thirds of the way through my playthrough, I got the stats to, to power stance ultra great swords. And that radically changed how I played the game. I forget what, I think I'd been maybe just using a single great sword before that and the shield, something like that. But then switching to like, two big weapons was like a huge shift in gameplay. Like I had to relearn to play again, but it was fun because I'd hit the point where it's like, okay, I know how to swing just this one sword. Like I want to do something different now. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a good way to put it is like comparatively, they do give you a bunch of the upgrades pretty upfront in the game. Like probably with definitely, I feel like by the halfway point, but probably by like the one third point, you pretty much have all the, all the access to everything. And so, like you said, it, you're not really changing a whole lot. There are a couple of mods, and and I think they're in the regular game. They might be DLC stuff, but I think they're in the regular game that chain, like, each weapon has, like, a quest that you can kind of do with it or do something in the game that you can do to get, like, a special mod. Um, so, like, the pistol that I had, I've fat like you could throw these tvs into the furnace and if you threw like all six tvs into the furnace <laughs> then it gave you a mod for the pistol that every time you got a hit with it it refunded the ammo and so like it was basically like an unlimited ammo pistol sort of thing um and so that interesting that did kind of change how i played with the pistol a little bit but that was also like totally missable and i was just kind of messing around <laughs> and figured that out so um so there's a lot in there where maybe there's some ways to really change it but it, like you said joe I, I do feel like 
combat wise they kind of give you the tools up front and then like you can figure out new things to do with them or new try out new ways of playing but it is a lot of the same because the best thing to do is fly and throw things at things so <laughs> yeah pretty much which it's, uh, is, is fun but, yeah you know it only goes so far so let's move into i guess kind of the story aspects of it so like we like we said at the at the start um you come in and you like are looking for your brother you go in you become the new director and so you very quickly realize that there are a bunch of enemies in this place. Um, and so you fight your way through and meet up with like one small group of survivors. And so that's, I'm blanking on her name. Um, but it's like the, uh, you meet up with like a science person. And so like the heads of everything are missing. Um, so like the director died and his like, team of people that was helping him out like the professor dr darling is missing the head of security is missing the head of operations is missing all these people are like they don't know where they are what's going on and so you find dr darling's assistant who you kind of make your like acting science person to kind of help you and she she kind of directs you and is like hey you need to go down to maintenance and fix this because you had like this I guess the power station was like down or something. And so there was a lockdown that you had to lift as the director in order to access all the other areas of the map. And so you go down there, you meet like the, the new security guy because the old one doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) I I forget if he died or, or became bad or or exactly what happened with him. (laughs) Um, And so you kind of, you're slowly kind of building your team as you go through. So you find them, you find the, I'm trying to think you, at some point you find the guy who is in charge of like keeping all of the items and he was crazy. Oh yeah. That's, that's well for me, it was late in the game. Yeah. He's just, he's just concerned with like containing the items and like, that's it. And so it's like specifically there was a point where it's like, there was a fridge that you had to like maintain eye contact with at all times oh, or like yeah. it would eat people or so, like yeah. something like that. Like bad things would happen. And there was this guy who had been in there for like 36 hours and you go and report it and his supervisor just like, that sucks to be him. Yeah. And, and then I'm pretty sure you go back and he's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause you have to like, you go in to rescue him and like, you're waiting for the airlock to open and like you hear a commotion and it's like, Oh man, he died. That's right. That might have been like the gateway to one of those obnoxious boss fights, actually. Mm-hmm. It was. Going into that fridge, <laughs> yeah. Something weird kind of cross, I guess, gameplay with story, but did you guys notice how you could tell that it seemed like they wanted you to have dialogue options in this game, and then they cut it? Because you would, you would talk to somebody, and then Jesse would mm. kind of sit there and like, look like she is pondering or whatever. And I think what they, that was, I, I want to say I heard in either some interviews or just uh, like industry podcasts talking about it. That was a feature they ended up cutting. And then they did the whole thing where she's kind of thinking to herself and you can hear her thoughts. Yeah. They kind of went that way instead, but like that screen where she's sitting there kind of thinking and it's got like that, like pulsing circle thing or whatever. And it seems like what is going on here? This seems just kind of, it kind of fits with the theme, but it also feels like, what are we doing? And I think that was where 
if they had had the time or the budget or whatever, they would have let you like kind of tailor the story your way a little bit. I I mean, it still, I think would have been the same story, but maybe some minor tweaks or like give you some personal. Pick, pick out what color you want your ending to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. To date this episode, then the new, like they just announced the the mass effect collection is coming. So I'm pumped for that, but yeah. There was not a pick your color in this game, though. But yeah, I can I can see where they might have because they did have things that made me think of they're gonna try to put some of the stuff in the game, and and it almost so like Jesse had like when you first start out like there's this thing that Jesse seems to be talking to, and like it's kind of weird because it's almost like you as the player like right that it feels like she's talking to you and breaking the fourth wall um, a little bit. I forgot about that, but yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, what, who are you talking to? What is, and so like it, it, it was set up in such a way that they could have you as the player kind of involved in the story and helping make these kind of choices for Jesse. It turns out it's just like some sort of entity, right? Yeah. So she, she's got something in her head. Uh, like, like we alluded to earlier, eventually you find out more about like what happened to her as a kid, which was like all of the adults in her town disappeared. Um, and I think most of the children like either died or disappeared as well, except for Jesse and her brother. And so the federal Bureau of control showed up and like kind of took them, covered it up basically. And so she, went through a lot of her life thinking maybe she was crazy, um, but then realizing that she wasn't. And that's when that's kind of the thing that precipitated the intro to the game where she's like, Oh, I I'm not crazy. I do have a brother. I got to go find him. Like, and I think the entity in her head started talking to her again, um, which is kind of what did it. And so she goes in, she becomes director. She lifts the lockdown and then starts going over, to kind of piece together what's going on because you find out that like the, the lead scientist right before they got invaded had started handing out these devices saying to everybody that they were supposed to wear them, that it was going to protect them. Um, and you start to figure out that like the director, the old director had been kind of acting sort of sketchy. And so eventually through all of that, through opening all of this up, you, find your brother and it turns out he's kind of a sociopath sort of person (laughs) um and he's been kind of taken over by the hiss but in a little bit of a different way like he's not he's still able to like speak to you unlike everyone else because there's there's something special about both jesse and her brother yeah that i don't remember if they ever fully explained because there's that like well they they witnessed like an altered event and yeah you know were fine from it but then they never really explained like what exactly made them okay yeah well because they had they didn't disappear so i think the thing was the the hedron or polaris or that entity that we were talking about so like jesse and her brother met it um and so it eventually in the game they kind of talk about how they think that a lot of these alter world events are actually different resonances and so the hedron or the or polaris or the entity or whatever we want to call it is what's protecting jesse throughout the entire game from the hiss which is a different resonance or something like that and so 
she the the hedron is what they found and brought to the federal bureau of control to protect everybody it's what dr darling made the the resonance devices that protected the people who were wearing them from turning into the hiss um and so i think that was what is supposed to have been like the thing that made them not disappear was because it had a different resonance that was protecting them and so at the end of the game you end up finding out that like this entity that you found as a child is actually kind of being kept prisoner by the Federal Bureau of Control. And it's the thing that's behind the protection. And so you go and you try to free it so that the hiss can't destroy it. Um, and it ends up dying anyway. Um, but a piece of it still lives inside of you. And so you're able to like then use that to protect everybody else. And so that's kind of how the game ends. And then there's yeah. some DLC where you like continue to go further and try to protect like the foundation of the house. Um, and then there's also an Alan Wake tie-in one that we can talk maybe briefly about too. <laughs> so did anything like kind of the did anything actually happen in this game? Because when um, you think about it, you, the game starts and you're the director of the Bureau of Control, and like the hiss are attacking. And at the end of the game. You're the director of the Bureau of Control, and the Hiss are attacking. So, yes. So, something does happen, um, because the Hiss are getting in through... So, the thing that caused the Altered World event in your hometown as a child, in Jesse's hometown as a child, that made everyone disappear, was this projector. And so, the director found a, like, slide... And use like the the projector. You use the slides to go to alter to other planes of existence. And so the director found one that was burned, and used that, which is what let the hiss into our reality. Like it opened the portal. And so at the end of the game, Jesse shuts off the projector and destroys it, which keeps like which closes the portal. So there are still hiss at the end of the game, but you've closed the portal. And so at yeah, the end of the game, you're cleaning, cleaning them out. Um, essentially so there is but like you i think that's a good thing to bring up though joe is like overall it's very open-ended moves yeah Um, it's very open-ended she's like the hiss are still like it was that kind of they wanted to just leave any potential sequels wide open and not like box themselves in on what they wanted to do with they the also sequel. wanted to let you be able to play after credits rolled as opposed to like reloading your last save i think yeah and so, because they spend so much time talking about, like, resonances and other planes, which, uh, hands up if you actually understood any of that, because um, I sure didn't. And then, yeah, you so you get to the end, and it's like, if, like, I, what did I actually do here? I mean, I guess the Bureau is saved. That's, that's what I did here. Yeah, and they got the new director, and, yeah. and she seems to have, like, like you said, that piece of the Polaris or whatever inside her. So she has some sort of, she's gifted in that way. I think the thing that bummed me out about the ending was her motivation through the whole game is her brother, right? So she's curious about everything else that's happening. And she has that kind of like just her, her natural tendency to kind of want to help. Like she can see people are in trouble and she can help. And so she's like, okay, I guess I'll help. But ultimately I'm doing this because I want to find my brother. I want to figure out what happened to me and him as, as kids. I want to rescue him, all that. And then I felt like that storyline just kind of just ended and fizzled out with like a big old fart at the end. It was like super unsatisfying. And that was 
that was the like strong narr- narrative thread that like just your average movie watching Joe could like follow along playing this game. All the stuff that you you're talking about about planes and Polaris and existence, like all that. If you really want to dive into it and figure it out, there's some cool stuff there. But the it's so convoluted and so weird and sci-fi, which is cool if yeah. that's what you're into. But like the storyline that was kind of pulling the player along and like just your average person, I felt like it just, it didn't end in a satisfying way, at least for me. Yeah. Cause it like, it's not like everything's better. Like she cleansed her brother who was kind of taken over by the hiss, but he's in a coma and doesn't seem like he's going to wake up. And like, she kind of found out what happened to them as kids, but like is not in a position where she can like, make anybody sort of pay for that or you know, like there's no like yeah and i think closure like, there it's just like yeah oh this is what happened there's no closure and if there was it wasn't conveyed very well so yeah. it's like you didn't really get any sort of satisfying like ah that's done i did that that felt good it was just kind of like oh the game's over now i guess and and a lot of a lot of kind of that like what happened to them as kids thing is not told through like exposition or dialogue or anything. It's told through like you have to as you're exploring the section of the game that's all about like what ha- the event that happened to them as kids, like you're picking up files on the floor um and reading those. And so you can miss some of those which leave out, you know, big parts of like what happened. And so like it's very much a game where it's like the main story is supported so much by these like collectible type of things that you're discovering, which I and think just is the a weirdness co- of everything. Like just the overall weirdness kind of keeps you going on. Like, yeah, what's next? What's this? What's this about the, the weird setting mixed with like the super familiar, familiar, like mundane office bureaucracy drama, like just the blend of those things that was all super interesting just on that level. But when it tried to tell a grander story was where I felt like it kind of just. Yeah. Well, and, lost and it a little bit. And so much of it's reliant on you to try to be investigating that stuff and on missable color or not missable. Cause you can like go back and find them later, but like you have it to helps piece it all to, together. Yeah. It helps to be able to try to like read them all at once as opposed to like, Oh, oh I'm going to yeah. go read something about the, you know, like, I've gotten through here. I'm going to go back and try to find some more files in here, but I don't remember exactly what's been going on here. So I think it's a really cool way to do a story, but also it can be kind of, it can hurt it a little bit just because like, it's so reliant on you as the player to be like, really, it's one of those that definitely feels like it would be helpful if you really enjoyed the story to like look up a YouTube video and be like, please explain this to me in a cohesive manner. I think that like a story like that, like that structure is like, I think the last of us games do it really well where you can play those and skip every single collectible and still get like an impactful, meaningful story about these characters that you care about and you know, everything else. But if you read everything, if you look at all the collectibles, things like that, you it makes the world so much richer and like you you get these interesting like sub stories you hear about like say you're sneaking through a house and then you find these things that that tell you the story of like the people that lived in that house and what happened to them in the apocalypse and all that and that that is kind of cool where like no matter how you play the game 
you're probably going to get the main story and the satisfaction of that story. And if you really dig that and the world and what you did, there's so much more if you want to seek it out. Relying on the little stuff, the collectibles and stuff to tell you the main story to make it make sense. Now, I will say that I love Bloodborne and the mystery and all that, yeah. <laughs> but like they're extremely upfront about that. Whereas I feel like Control tried to walk both lines. Yeah. Where it was like, hey, we're trying to tell a story, like a traditional, like story driven game, but also do the like flesh it out with side stuff and you figure it out yourself. Because if you, if you, go through all of it i do feel like it like if and collect everything i do feel like it tells a pretty good and compelling story but also like i was one of those people that was like i don't want to leave this area until i find like all of the the things that i can in here and so i feel like i might have played it differently than like someone who's just kind of like going through it trying to see like what's the next part of the story because I feel like when the story was happening for me, I had a lot more context that had been provided by like a lot of the uh, the collectibles and stuff. Whereas I can't like if I had not been as diligent about trying to get all of those, there would have been a lot of stuff where it it's just kind of like uh, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand what's going on. Like, um, why is this thing doing this now? Yeah, I think the last thing that I want to talk about kind of wrapping up the story is that ending segment where you're just literally like filling up coffee cups or whatever at the end and like picking up yeah, papers was, and all that that was, was that like, like it was like what the, is the happening like the culminating moment of all that they're talking about like resonances and especially like like all of darlene's tapes like you kind of don't really know what he's talking about but you're just like okay that's cool that they did that <laughs> <laughs> like but i really have like no idea what's going on and what any of this means and then that ending was really like all of that coming to a head and being like they knew only like two people who played that game actually understood like what on earth was going on and everybody else just got to the end of that segment and it's like i think they were trying to get it like, like jesse is the weird. new director but well, and it also went on a little long, I felt like. Like, you had to do that loop how many times? So, like, like three, three or four. Or four. Yeah. I felt like it was, yeah. Like, I was like, oh, my God, another one? I felt like it was <laughs> never going to end. I was like, is this is this the post game? Are they trolling me right now? Like, I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. Because, like, essentially, it's Jesse fighting out the res- the Hiss Resonance by, like, with Polaris's help sort of thing. And, except, like Joe said, accepting her role as the director. But it was very much like a, like, because they, they did the thing where it's like, Jesse joined, like, you find out Polaris died, and Jesse gets taken over by the hiss, and the game just ends, and it's like, oh, is this, is this going to be one of those games where that's just how it ends, like, and that's like the point that they were trying to make the whole time or something like that, you know, kind of like a horror movie thing where the bad guy kind of wins in the end. And then it flips to like oh okay like now you're gonna go through the office and but like the coloring's all off and but yeah it's very it it, it, i mean it lends itself to the game of the whole like what is going on i don't understand this but at the same time it's like oh okay that's kind of cool at least i thought it was kind of cool i thought it was kind of cool it just went on a little long 
Yeah. And then like the janitors like telling you how to get through things. And yeah, there's there's a whole lot kind of going on. The janitor's something we didn't really touch on too much, but he's kind of a weird key character. Yeah, I had to turn subtitles on to understand what <laughs> yeah, he was saying. So. I did too immediately. Like as soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, this is a sub. This is a sub. I usually play with subtitles, but sometimes I keep them off just to like have a more cinematic experience because when they're on, like you just you're reading the subtitles, you're not looking at the game. And so, but yeah, as soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, no, pause subtitles. Like I had no idea what he was saying. There, There's just so like it's to me for this game like story-wise it's hard to pick out like outside of like the ashtray maze outside of like the trippy ending of the game outside of just like i don't know if you guys did the uh like the fungus that's taking over like the basement or whatever i don't know if you guys did all of that but that was an interesting yeah. one that, that took a little bit of uh more time than i thought it was gonna take mm-hmm um, so like there were cool parts that, like that, but just, it's hard for me to like pick out like a, it's hard to summarize, I guess the story because yeah, it is yeah. so disjointed and yeah, it's like confusing it's, parts of it. A lot happened and nothing happened. Yeah. Cause, cause a lot of the story takes place in the past and you're finding out about things that ha- it, 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 I think the dark souls comparison, the bloodboard comparison is a good one because the story as it happens like what you do in dark souls is not really crazy you kind of go to a few different places kill some bosses become you know the new lord of cinder or the new lord of the undead or whatever it is in that particular dark souls game and a lot of the stuff is like well a thousand years ago like lord gwyn did this and it's like oh Okay, so a lot of this, I'm just finding out about what's happened in the past, and that's why it's a big deal. To me, this game is very much like that, too, where it's it's not so much about, like, the story as it's happening, although that is important. It's more so about, like, exploring all the little things that happened in each area to make it the way that it is. And then the DLCs, too, I was going to throw out there that, like, I think one of the reasons the ending kind of fell a little bit flat was because I don't think it was originally supposed to be the ending. Mm. Um, The Foundation DLC has Jesse kind of go down to the foundations of the house because the Hiss are trying to take over that. And she fights a bunch of, like, she gets some new powers and she fights a bunch of Hiss and eventually kills like the head of operations from the old director and cleanses like the foundation. But throughout all of that former, the board is the like calling all the shots, but throughout the foundation DLC, it's kind of revealed that like the board may not, may have ulterior motives and that former may actually be like the good guy and the board is the bad guys. Um, and so that DLC ends with Jesse kind of being like, okay, I'm going to play their game for now, but like, I'm on to them and I'm going to do it my way sort of thing, which I feel like would have been a much stronger ending for the game. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's where maybe the game wanted to end, but I don't know if they ran out of time or they just always had planned to do it as a DLC or what. Um, But I do think the DLC, in my opinion, is more of the, the true ending to the game than what they gave us. Hmm. 
and then there is an Alan Wake one, which is really cool. Um, because you do a lot of the Alan Wake type of like Alan Wake, you fight with light. Um, and so like the game plays around with light a lot. You have to carry around like lights with your little force powers and shine them on like the big enemy. Um, and a lot of the boss battles are not shooting. A lot of the boss battles are like turning lights on, like turning all the floodlights on so that you hurt the enemy and it runs away. It is a lot more horror-y than the rest of the game. Um, but both the DLCs, I, th- I would say, are worth getting if you enjoy the game. That's interesting to hear because I haven't played them, but everything I've heard from like you know IGN and places like that is that the first DLC was, this is more control. If you liked control, you'll like this. But you saying that it like adds to the ending is something that I hadn't really heard many people say, and I feel like that's kind of important. And mostly what you hear is, Alan Wake DLC is really cool because we all love Alan Wake and so it's like that's the one that got all the like press and everything the first one was like yeah it's more DLC and when I tried to play it I realized I haven't played this game in a long time I forgot how the moves work and it's like you'd think that touching on you know at least how potentially important or impactful the story is would have been something that they would have you know maybe put out there a little bit stronger but I guess not yeah that's interesting to hear it kind of makes me maybe want to go pick it back up and try it but also i would definitely have to get back in the groove of that game myself yeah because it yeah the the original game ends like you guys said in a very sort of open-ended like non-ending almost um whereas this def like the dlc definitely i felt like set up like control too right like what could happen next well does that kind of wrap it up we have any more final thoughts we want to touch on I guess the the last question I had was like, were there any story things or areas that stood out to you guys outside of Ashtray Maze, outside of like the end that you wanted to like throw out there or touch on? I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about story, but something that I like think about when I think back to those game, the game is just like those unkillable, like black hole things that you would have to kind of avoid in certain situations. I thought those are pretty, pretty cool and pretty trippy and added an interesting like kind of dynamic to the game into certain rooms. Um, and it, it was unique. It fit the game, but it was something that I hadn't at least hadn't seen, like felt like I'd seen or felt presented that way. They were so ominous and like felt so threatening, even though they're pretty easy to avoid in general, just the way the game made them feel powerful. Um, I guess the last yeah I, thing. Oh, or, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, story-wise, like, there were a bunch of optional missions to do, and I I always thought the best ones were, like, the ones where you would track down, like, an item um, that had escaped and, like, try to seal it back up. Yeah. Um, like, there was, because those are always just really interesting and cool to me. Um, like, there was a, an I like, a mirror or something that you had to, like, go in, and it was, like, a mirrored world, and so, like... There was I think like I, I remember that. Yeah, like a guy came back from it and spoke in reverse. And so like when you would go in through the mirror and play the tape back, like he would speak normally and the interviewer would go in reverse and stuff. And so there's just a lot of cool like little things like that that I thought were pretty fun. And just interesting to like learn more about and change up like what you were doing. Like a lot of little puzzly type things, I guess. Did you play this on your base Xbox? I did. Um, and so I will, I, before we, we ended, I did want to cover that too. <laughs> yeah. So. Cause I feel like Joe, you played it on PC probably, right? Yep. And I played it on the one X, mm-hmm. which who knows when this episode comes out, but at the time is like this 
best console you can play it on. And I did have like gameplay was pretty smooth, but like going in and out of the map and things like that, I had a lot of stuttering and kind of like the game would kind of have to play catch up coming out of the map. So I was curious how your experience was on base Xbox. Yeah. So I didn't really have any issues map wise. I guess they like patched that I think they patched that part out. Um, what I would occasionally run into is like when I'd run into a new area, I would, there were times where like it would play like the, the sound of like the hiss spawning in, but then like it took the game maybe another 20 seconds to actually spawn them in. Oh, wow. And so like, if you weren't, paying attention and you just kind of like kept on running like sometimes if you were going a specific place like you might get to that place and it wouldn't matter they would just despawn behind you (laughs) but if you were like exploring and you weren't paying attention um to like the sound effect like you could suddenly find yourself in a huge group of hiss like on all sides instead of how it would normally happen where they were like in front of you and you would fight through them to get to where you were going so that was really the only thing I personally noticed. And then occasionally, if I was playing it for like a few hours at a time, it would give me like this out of RAM memory thing. Um, because, really? Yeah. Like, I don't, there's some sort of memory leak or something, I assume, in it. Um, and eventually it just caught up with the the game and it would, it never really like, it would just hard crash at that point, basically. Um, and it was never really a huge deal because like it does have a fairly decent autosave system, but it was something that I felt the need to throw out there. Like if you're playing this on a, just a base Xbox, uh, you're going to run into a few issues because it is an end of generation game. That's not meant to be played on your old piece of hardware. Like I have. <laughs> yeah. I heard the old Xbox and the old PlayStation really suffered playing this game it was the conversation was kind of like you know are we going to get to a point with games where they just don't really work on the like base version and that still potentially could happen with xbox releasing stuff that's technically playable on your base xbox for next gen and i guess it's something the pc world has experienced for a while of just like yeah at some point like your game is like if you if your graphics card is seven years old like you have a pc it's just not going to really run on your pc but yeah, yeah pretty much that's uh grow out of your that's part of the like in particular with xbox um you, you can kind of apply the same thing to the playstation a little bit but with the way because the the two playstation models are much tighter um in terms of specs with each other whereas the xbox you've you know the the two models they're putting out there's a little bit of a performance gap between them and so there's been some like this could cause issues down the road because either it's going like developers are going to get burned out trying to support both platforms or they're just going to say screw it and just stop supporting the like lesser powered model and then like you're gonna have a bunch of people who are mad because games run like crap on their older one or they have to then like gimp all their games because they needed to run at a certain standard on the older or on the lesser powered uh, xbox well if that kind of wraps up our conversation i think joe you've got a game for us well i was gonna say like recommendations so oh yeah, yeah. like so for me i thought this game i would give it a 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 i loved control but i also love games that 
are big on exploration. That's a lot of the games that I play. That's why I play them is like the chance to look around and explore and learn more about the world. So like this was a very Dylan game. And so especially because one of the characters was named Dylan. <laughs> but like so for me, I really love this game. Where 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 would you guys come down on it? 1 to 10. Just as like as we do these spoiler casts, you know, like people hopefully get to know like us and our preferences and so if you enjoy games similar to the ones that I recommend and enjoy to me this is a 10 out of 10 game. So, but you know, if you prefer Andrew's type of games or Joe's type of games, what what would you guys give it so that the people that prefer those type of games can be like, "Oh, Joe thinks this is a, uh, you know, whatever." Uh, I put it on a seven or eight. It's a, it's a good game, but I would get it on sale. Maybe doesn't seem worth like a full price deal. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a neat aesthetic, like neat visual design, but the gameplay and story ended up just not being super satisfying. Yeah. And for me, I'm kind of right there with Joe, I'd say seven out of 10 where this is just like objectively a good game, but it's one of those games where like if it speaks to you, like you could you could have a really good time in it, and if not, you're probably not going to regret playing through it. Like you can be like, that was fun. I, I enjoyed my time with it. Am I going to go back to it? Maybe not. Whatever. But like, it's it's a solid game across the board. And you can probably pick it up. Like it's been out for over a year now. It's got to be coming to Game Pass so, at some point. <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure it's it's a little bit less expensive. Um, at least the base version. They do have the Ultimate Edition, which is how you, like, they kind of screwed up there, in my opinion, but that's oh, yeah. how you get the the upgrade for the, ne- like, next-gen consoles. Um, you have to get the Ultimate Edition. But it is apparently on Switch, too, which is something I never thought I'd see. Cause I, I through didn't, streaming. Yeah, through streaming, which is kind of cool. And something hope- interesting about that, is you can just download it. I went in, I saw it in the eShop and downloaded it. Like, I thought you had to buy it. I haven't tried to play it yet, so maybe they like let you play a little bit and then try to make you buy it. I don't know, but like it said download, so I downloaded it. I haven't tested it yet, but I thought you'd have to at least pay like 40 bucks for it, but... Yeah, I didn't know you could just go in and get it, yeah. Like I said, I haven't played it yet, so yeah. this could, it could really sound like a, a moron whenever I listen <laughs> to this, you know, whenever this actually comes out, but... I just went into the eShop and it said download, so I did. Yeah, huh. So go check that out. Yeah, maybe a good way to get a demo at least. Right, see if you do like it, yeah. Cool, well now are we ready to play a game? Yeah. All right. Uh, so it's my turn to make you guys squirm for <laughs> synonym roll. Um, oh, for which? Synonym, synonym roll? Yeah. I, I've had this banked for like a month, actually. Um, <laughs> we, I was supposed to do a game for something and then we didn't do it that episode. But, right. Mm, yeah. So I've had it in the back pocket. And since then, I've gotten to suffer at the hands of everybody else being unreasonably difficult in their games oh yeah okay so you're saying this is going to be unreasonably difficult i'm i'm saying i intentionally made it a little harder than i might have otherwise 
in the in the synonyms I picked. So we'll okay. see. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm over overstating, and you guys are going to blow through this. Um. So I've got one. I've got eight. So a tie could be possible. Generally, there's like three players. So I thought eight would ensure no ties. So let's get started. First one is Celestial Precedent Immorality. Divinity Original Sin. Yep. (laughs) I I wouldn't have gotten that one, but I just downloaded it like yesterday. So. Yeah. Zealot Sovereign. Some zealot sovereign these are only games like yes main ga- okay because i was gonna go with like sunken king or something like that if it was dlc too nope these are independent titles in your game library okay do we need a hint andrew yeah i guess if if you got a hint let's see uh let's i'll say this is a joe game Crusader King? Crusader Kings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Next one is... You two aren't the same person. (laughs) (laughs) Next one is Society. Civilization. Civilization? Yep. I think Andrew got that one before I did. I might have been. I I heard Andrew. Okay, I'll take it. Callous Tail. Uh, And Tail is spelled T-A-L-E. Callous Tail, okay. Um, all I can think of is Undertale, and I know that's not it because you wouldn't use Tail as a synonym for Tail. That's the tough part. I will say this is a game all of us have played. Oh, Oh. I was about to say EverQuest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of like fixating on Tail, something story or something. Yeah, exactly, like story or book or callous um i think we might need another hint like a genre or something okay another let me let me try this um hardcore tale would be another legend yep there you go there it is (laughs) on game pass right now Um, i know it's these are these are this is the best timeline, right? Yeah. Hard yes. hard hardcore was the first thing I wrote down, but I was like, that might be a little too like Yeah. A little too the, the Jack Black connection is there. <laughs> might give it away a little too easily. The legend uh, of the rent was way hardcore. <laughs> yes. Alright. Next one. Dispatch the Pinnacle. Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire trying to get in joe's head i'm just slower than dylan at it apparently. <laughs> <laughs> all right next one is principality soul and soul is spelled s-o-u-l kingdom hearts holy cow that's wow. way faster than i thought <laughs> anybody would get that because that's not a joe game is it that is not no. a joe game i was like <laughs> i said it with no confidence because i was like joe wouldn't pick this (laughs) wow yeah that was a good one last one um i'm gonna hold back a sneeze for just a second (laughs) fiend 
possibly bay. I feel like this is a dating sim or something. <laughs> Fiend possibly bay. What's how do you spell bay? I'm assuming it's not B A E. Yeah, B A Y. B A Y. Okay. My gut is saying like Monster Hunter World, but that doesn't sound right. Subnautica. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Subnautica. Fiend. So fiends gotta be like monster or something, right? That's why I said Monster Hunter World, but it just no, it doesn't quite line up because that's the it's the thought process I was going with. Okay, so I can give one hint. Um, bay is not being used in the sense of like a body of water or like a storage bay. Oh, oh. what was what is it again? What are the three fiend, words? fiend possibly bay? Nope. Still blanking. Devil May Cry. Ah, Devil May Cry. There you go. I was like, what? Like, I could kind of think of Cry, but I was like, what is the rest of it? There it is. Devil May Cry. That was, that, was, that one was tough. Yeah, yeah that, that was a good one. Yeah. Some of those, so, D- Dylan made it seem Dylan, like it yeah, wasn't Dylan won that mode, one, but, but, but. It was more so just like, oh, I know Joe likes this game. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Joe did kind of pick from his. His preferences, which, which helps. Nothing wrong with that, yeah. But yeah. it did yeah. make it give you a little bit of a clue which way to start, at least. Yeah, if Joe had made us a list of like dating sims, <laughs> or if they were all <laughs> Kingdom Hearts kind of games, like that yeah. one was surprising. <laughs> yeah, Devil May Cry was kind of surprising too. Are you a Devil May Cry fan, Joe? Nope, I didn't never played so. it. Barely it's, know what it is. It's an interesting game. I got like three missions in or so to the new one. Yeah. Yeah, same. I couldn't. Yeah. Do like, it. it wasn't, I didn't dislike it, but it was like, I'm not going to continue playing this though. Well, I guess that's an episode unless you guys have any closing thoughts or anything else you want to shout out before we wrap this one up. Not that I can. I got of. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a cool game. If you enjoy it, if it's your type of game, I really want a second one. I Please. think they're going to do more in the universe. I don't know if they'll flat yeah. out say Control 2, but I do think... Yeah, I think they're doing an Alan Wake, like another Alan Wake game, at Especially least tying it into Alan Wake, which is like probably one of their bigger g- games or like, you know, one of their fan favorites. So mm-hmm. Cool. Well, with that, I just want to say thanks for checking out this episode of the Level Playing Field podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to help us out in growing our community, please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch give us a like or a follow. If you have any suggestions, questions, or if you just want to say, hey, feel free to reach out on any of our social media platforms or email us at lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com. A big thank you to my co-hosts, Joe and Dylan, and an even bigger thank you to our listeners. We sincerely appreciate your support. Now say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. See ya.